This is episode 205 of the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. Welcome to episode 205 of the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. Today, I have Josh Finlay on the show, and that might sound familiar to you because he is the founder of the Finlay Mortgage Team. Josh is a very skilled entrepreneur, I'll put it that way. Also a real estate investor. He seems very strategic and very thoughtful in the way he conducts his business. So we dove into his entrepreneurship as well as the market and his specific eight unit building that he is doing a big burr, and there's some pretty big numbers attached to it. So this was a very insightful episode. Josh dropped a lot of gold nuggets about what's happening in the market and how multifamily is being affected differently from single family residential, in his opinion. And I thought it was an interesting discussion, and I think you will too. So just before we jump into it, I wanted to say thank you to everyone who's been coming out to our meetups. We just had one last night. It was a great turnout and a lot of really great networking. So if you haven't been to one yet, or if you have and you want to keep coming, the GTA West REI meetup is the group on Facebook, and the link will be in the show notes for this episode so that you can join next time. With that being said, please make sure you hit the like, subscribe, and notification bell. Leave us a comment. Let us know what you think of the episode. And if you're an audio listener, a five-star rating and review would be greatly appreciated. So without further ado, let's jump into episode 205 with Josh Findlay. Hello and welcome to the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. I've got Josh Findlay. Findlay? Findlay, yeah. Findlay? Yeah. Okay. On the show. And um, yeah, we're going to talk real estate investing, a little bit about mortgages, about the market, and uh, yeah, thanks for doing this. I appreciate you having me on. It's a long time coming. Yeah. So, I mean, I think people would know your name in our circles because they know the Finley Mortgage Group. Is that what you call it? Yeah, Finley Mortgage Team. Yeah, we're Finley uh, Mortgage Team. Are you your own brokerage or you're under another brokerage and you're a team? We are. Yeah, we own our own brokerage. So we're a Dominion Lending Center franchise, but our, okay. our firm is the Finley Mortgage Team. So it's kind of okay. like a boutique mortgage brokerage firm that uh, helps real estate investors scale. You know, we realized pretty quickly that financing is hard and the banks are very yeah. good at uh, advising. So, you know, we try to offer high level advising. Yeah. Banks don't really specialize in real estate investors. Yeah. So obviously it was either brokers or mobile specialists mm-hmm. that would really know um, real estate investing. Yeah. yeah and and the, that gap is huge. Like the yeah. knowledge gap is just unbelievable. Oh yeah. There's tons of brokers that don't know anything and tons of mobile specialists who don't either. So yeah, you do have to find somebody specialized. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah. there, there really just is kind of a gap in the market for, you know, for sure. For people like yourself, people like yeah. you know, other investors who are looking to use different types of capital and yeah. you know, that the issue with the banks is just essentially there's no, they only offer what they offer. Yeah. So you know, if you're like, if you're looking to be creative or like whatever that looks like, you need somebody mm-hmm. who understands all different types of capital and how to transition yeah. into certain types of capital. Interesting. And we'll expand on that. Yeah. Um, definitely want to go into that with you. Um, okay. So the uh, first area I want to start with you is um, what's your backstory? Like, you know, you, you went to school somewhere. Where'd you grow up? Did you know, how did you end up here? Sure. It kind of stumbled here, to be honest. Um, life kind of happens in weird ways, but originally I wanted to be a police officer. Uh, went to university for criminal justice. I could kind of see that. I could see you with a gun strapped to your yeah, head. Yeah, kind of badass. I thought I was going to save the world. I um, wanted to be a police officer, went to university, got my degree, did everything I was supposed to do. What, what kind of degree? Uh, criminal justice and law. Okay. Uh, university of Guelph. Uh, it was a good program, learned a lot. You know, kind of leaving university, I had this, this idea how my life was going to go. It was like, you got my degree, I'm going to get a job, going to mm-hmm. pick a fence, everything was going to work out. Yeah. Got through the process um, at the time, uh, you know, I went through, I got to the very last interview with the police service and they said, you're just basically a kid, go get some life experience. 
Well, plus you're too white for that job, right? <laughs> <laughs> I think that was one of the reasons why. Because I, I think like, and that's a very objective, like, if, if you're a white male, you, good luck, you're going to wait until you're 30. That's pretty much what it was, yeah. And if, if you're, uh, you know, a visible minority, as they would call it, then you, you could get in a lot younger. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I hit a roadblock and I was yeah. like, what am I going to do? Yeah. I went and got a job like everybody else with a sales job. Um, mm-hmm. It was kind of a dead end sales job. Like everybody who was working there was working there for like 40 years. Everybody's making the same $50,000 a year and they all hated their life and their job. It was very... What kind of sales? Uh, we were working in wholesale distribution. So like fire suppression, uh, plumbing, HVAC, okay. stuff like that. Um, I was just getting sick of what I was doing. Yeah. And my uncle at the time, he was uh, in mortgages for the last like 17 years. Okay. He's like... Every single time I'd get upset, he'd call him and he'd be like, quit your job, come be my assistant. No, I can't. I can't. I don't know anything about it. It's 100% yeah, commission. Yeah. Like, how am I going to do this? And one day I got so fed up, I just said, I'm going to do it. I did it. And I quit. And then obviously your boss offers you the world and you start to double, you start yeah. to double back. You're like, no, I'm doing it. I left. Yeah. Um, jumped in it pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, worked for uh, a brokerage for a while. Realized I didn't want to do cold calls. Um worked for it uh worked doing residential mortgages with a brokerage out in guelph um mm-hmm. that's where i kind of got my opportunity um met some people there so you didn't stick with your uncle he was just doing regular res and that wasn't your angle uh no he i'm still with him so he's okay. one of the owners of our brokerage okay um but we ended up just kind of evolving to doing so much business that didn't make sense for us to mm-hmm. be with somebody else and we realized through the, the connections that i had with initial brokerage um i met Adam Martin and then through Adam Martin I met Matt and then through Matt we started making videos and then mm-hmm. we kind of got into this whole uh, investor space and then realized that you know, there's a lot of value we can add here and we opened up our brokerage about two and a half years ago mm. and then everything so you weren't specifically investor focused until more recently yeah, for, yeah about two and a half years ago we started our business with the intention of helping investors and obviously COVID and you know, creating videos it was kind of a perfect storm of cheap rates mm-hmm. Um, and no knowledge out there kind of created this like storm of um, people who needed help and uh, the right time right place and yeah. kind of ended up here and now I've helped thousands of clients and it's amazing wow. yeah interesting yeah that's um, I, w- I wasn't uh, clear on what your story was so that that's the first time I've actually heard that so that's good that's good to know uh, obviously the uncle's a foot in the door everybody has some sort of a mentor that kind of helps them see the landscape for sure yeah. and you know i also have another partner aaron um aaron's been with me since like university yeah. so there's three of us who do it um and you're right so this this industry is very top down like mm-hmm. the issue with the industry is nobody wants to share any knowledge because they're always worried about training their competition training their competition so yeah. you have to have somebody who has vested interest in you to be able to know get further in this or or learn how this works and scott is very good at development and private financing so i actually had the opportunity to learn that stuff before residential real estate and kind of that's how things started to fall into place realizing well there's different types of capital and stuff like that so what type of financing so you you finance developments as well as Mm -hmm. as uh like single family homes and everything in between yeah, so I a lot of commercial stuff. Yeah, I specifically focus on multifamily. Uh, yeah, yeah, multifamily. Do so we do a lot of like repositioning, acquisition, stabilization, CMHC stuff like that. Yeah, I was gonna ask CMHC. Are you are you doing a lot of MLI select? A lot of people are trying. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of applications going in right now. They're pretty bogged down, but the MLI program is it's really interesting. Um, really depends on the strategy yeah. and where you want to buy. If it makes sense for you, though. Yeah, well, the, the point system to convert over like you know, less efficient heating to what they say is more efficient to separate your heating systems, all that stuff. So you have a few applications in right now yep. with that. Yeah, we do. Yeah. Okay. 
it, it's an interesting process. Uh, yeah, I mean, I heard because I've never specifically dealt with it, but I so on REI hot seat, Jake and I have been talking about this quite a bit. He, a lot of his clients are, are using that um, and it's really working out well for them. Mm-hmm. Right. So there's certain things you could do, like you could offer rent discounts, you could offer just to get your points so you can get what longer amortizations and lower rates. Right. Yeah. Lower, lower DSR, you're like 1.1 DSR. You can get 50 year AM, 95 percent loan to value. 50 year AM would be kind of cool. It's, How it's much crazy. of a difference does it really make going from 40 to 50? Does it make a big difference right now? You'd be surprised if you're trying to yeah. squeeze in that 1.1 yeah, DSR. Yeah. I mean, most people have already stabilized the building, so it's kind of a set it yeah. and forget it situation. But um, in a market like this where they're offering four and a half percent, and you're under prime on the rate that they're offering yeah. right now. It's it's the only viable exit strategy. For yeah, people are and people are assuming those mortgages too if they can. If they can, yeah. yeah. But the, the challenge right now is, you know, as an investor, if you're thinking about getting into this product, let's say for example, you lock in a five percent right now, and then you commit to ten years on a term with CMHC. What happens if you want to sell in five years, and now you're stuck at a five percent rate and Maybe rates do go down and the average market rate is 3%. Now you're trying to sell a building with an assumable mortgage 2% above where the rates are. So, I mean, it's kind of the devil you know versus the devil you don't. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I think most people in hindsight would have locked in last year if they had uh, had the good sense to do so. Um, But, I mean, now I know a lot of people look at it and they think they missed the boat. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, it's too late to lock in their variables now. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't be locking any any sort of fix. Right it's now. it's hard to do that. I mean, because not like, and I'm, I'm sorry if I'm a broken record here for people who listen to this podcast a lot, but we don't have precedent for rates going down that quickly. Mm-hmm. Like that next year they would be down. Like maybe they stop rising, right. but that they would go down next year. I mean, look at what happened in the '80s. They were they you know peaked at what almost twenty percent, uh, and then slowly over fifteen years sort of came down to six percent in the year two thousand. Agreed. But I think we also have a like this episode is brought to you by Control and Compound Financial. They teach real estate investors how to multiply their wealth using infinite banking strategies. For a complimentary wealth coaching session or to learn more, visit www.controlandcompound.com forward slash Andrew Hines. Are you interested in getting started in investing in the United States but not sure where to start? Why not attend the Investing in the U.S. Mastermind hosted by myself and Nick Van Dyke on March 4th, 2023? Nick and I will be covering topics ranging from A to Z, new construction, multifamily development, Airbnb, and much, much more, as well as the basics, including opening a bank account and understanding the proper corporate structure. We'll have several keynote speakers touching on very specific topics. And most importantly, you'll be sitting in a room with people who are highly focused and highly committed to investing in the United States. For more information, visit investinginthus.com and send me a DM on Instagram for a special discount code. I'll look forward to seeing you at the event. Hey friends, I just wanted to remind you that the next GTA West REI meetup is happening Thursday, January 19th at Clifford Brewing in Hamilton. If you're not already in our private Facebook group, make sure you join through the link in the description of this video or in the show notes on the audio versions and add yourself to the event to let us know that you're coming so that we can notify the establishment and uh, make sure that they have the proper staff for our group. Don't miss out on this completely free opportunity to network with like-minded investors. It's always an uplifting event and it's always a lot of fun. I'll look forward to seeing you there. It was manufactured as well, but look at the dead load. Like, it's just two very different times. It is. Yeah, because there's no precedent for this time that I'm aware of. I shouldn't say there is no precedent because what do I know in the grand scheme of history? Um, (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, the things that are that are the wild cards are the immigration at 500,000 people a year, which is absolutely certifiably insane when we already don't have enough supply. So, yeah, this is why I say whenever I make my predictions, 
I could be totally wrong about all this stuff. <laughs> Same. If I had a crystal yeah. ball, I mean, you know, we'd be doing something else. But yeah. um, we're going to see. At, at yeah. the end of the day, you, good investors weather the storm. And there's always yeah. solutions and ability to well, you got yeah, that in, out. In, in the ones that will weather the storm are the ones that were planning, you know, two years ago. What do I need to do to make this property something I'm willing to hold for 10, 15 years? The challenge is the, you know, you take a look at how many people like investing became a fad. Yeah, oh, 100%. Years. It that became FOMO. a thing yeah, to do, a lot of right? FOMO, yeah. So all the investors who started back then, they didn't feel the burn of a down market. Yeah, they don't know. So or they've had, never lost, right? People never. who've never lost a, a dime are, are a danger to themselves because they, they don't think that it's real. It doesn't doesn't seem like it really happened. Well, that forgetting of what it feels to get burned or yeah. like the da a down market or over leverage or time in a project, you know, all the projects or people mm -hmm. that I see that are in tough spots right now, they had too much leverage and too much exposure in the market over mm -hmm. a period of time. Now, and they needed market prices to go up. They did. They needed market prices to go up. And, you know, for the last mm -hmm. five years, it went up. Without a doubt. It did. But this is why I slowed down so much. I, I mean, and, and I had that that FOMO. I did. <laughs> but I mean, I just kept looking at deals and I said, well, in order for that deal to make sense, and I would look around Burlington, see all these builders building spec homes. I'm like, they're literally building based on the appreciation in the market. They are there is no profit in their deal. Maybe they they, you know, they're saying there is one. But and maybe if they were their own builder, they could, you know, do some of the work themselves. Mm -hmm. But there really wasn't profit in the deals. They were just speculating on what it could be worth. And that was our whole market, just a complete speculative market. You, know, yeah. you saw it at the top too, people doing like yeah. absolute crazy things, you know, wholesaling, buying a property, putting it the next day, making 150000 oh, yeah, yeah. Just like the not real world stuff. Yeah, exactly. And that was kind of like the sell point for you. You started realizing like I'm out. Well, with the student rentals, I, uh, I realized that it was an asset that say, for instance, school did what it did before and shut down. I thought the second time around that that were to happen, like if we got the next lockdown, which I mean, I'm, I'm still not ruling that that's uh, you know, not a possibility. Um, <clears throat> there would be a lot of people who would just say, screw it, I'm going to learn from home. And not, not all, but then it would it would have meant that I needed to potentially shift some of my rentals into family when they were purpose-built student rentals. Yeah. So I was just looking at that. I'm like, I, I'm totally great with student rentals, love them, except I don't really like my exposure. So that's when I just decided, okay, I'm going to sell them off. I'm not going to keep one or two. I'll just sell them all. And um, I put that money into Florida. And then I kind of stopped short of selling some of my single families and uh, my duplex. And uh, <clears throat> hindsight is, you know, 2020. I would have sold, I've sold everything. <laughs> Always. But like but, uh, the hallmark of a good investor, yeah. though, you know, we you saw a lot of people divest. The ones we've been around for a while, while divest at the top, too. Like last year, yeah. like they were, they were, releasing some of their properties to stay liquid yeah and that's that's wise i mean if there's one lesson to take away and there's many but one big lesson to take away is never be afraid to take some of your profits off the table if you see that market's way up might be a good idea to just take some of the profits off the table and i think like the yeah. ones who've been through cycles understand that yeah the ones who haven't seen any downturns don't understand that yeah. forever go up right so yeah. yeah there were a lot of people because like really if you don't count the 2017 blip mm -hmm. um and then the 2020 blip, which was just like very short-lived, it was like such a bull market for so long. Mm -hmm. Like I, almost like an unprecedented bull market for real estate and the stock market since basically since 2009. Yeah. yeah. You know, moving forward though, I think that the, all money's made in down market though as well. Like the majority of smart yeah. money's made in down markets. So yes. the opportunity that oh, is the opportunity's about coming. to happen. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, you see that meme going around. Like the one thing I regret is not buying real estate in 2008 when I was in like grade six. Have mm -hmm. you seen that? 
No, it's hilarious. So yeah, and and that's the that's the funny thing is everybody thought they missed their opportunity back in two thousand eight. I think you know from mortgage side, I see a lot of applications, mm-hmm. and it, it's progressively getting worse. So so the real opportunity back in oh eight oh nine was in the U.S. Mm-hmm. This time, I think it's flipped. I think the real opportunity is in Canada. So I mean, I'm very grateful that I started investing in the U.S. because I felt more hedged, mm-hmm. and that's the way it's worked out. But, uh, you know, here because of the five year mortgage terms, because those renewals are going to keep coming up, you know, today there are thousands of mortgages renewing and there'll be thousands renewing tomorrow from a two to a three percent into a six to a seven percent. Keep that in mind. Yeah. Think about like the average family has a fixed income. Yeah. You're talking about a few thousand dollars a month in extra yeah. additional costs that everybody was already stretching the limits. They were stretching the limits, right? They had the stress test, which which did, uh, like, you know, most people were qualifying around 5.29. But mm-hmm. just because they met the stress test then doesn't mean their their family expenses didn't grow over the last three years, five yeah. years. Of course, you see yeah. the average nuclear family too. Yeah. You got what, like you got a Benz, you got a BMW, yeah. you got to you know, go on vacations every year. Yeah. You know, people are refinancing, using their houses as ATMs for the last 10 years. Like, a lot I think- of it, yeah. I think our market is in for a rude awakening. Yeah, I mean, and I don't want to be doom and gloom, and I don't mean to be. I, I think that the big takeaway here is one: there are there are deals right now that you can have for cheaper than they're pretty well ever going to be ever again. Yep. If you're looking, and then in about two years' time, I think there are going to be a lot of really cool deals. Um, in, in you know, with a side of sadness, of course, because it's going to come at the expense of of you know a lot of unfortunate situations. Agreed. I think. Yeah. It's interesting to see right now that those deals exist already and yeah. you start looking like there's a lot of inventory on the market. You know, any talk yeah. to any wholesalers right now, they're not moving anything just because there's so many options for buyers at the moment. Yeah. Um, what's really interesting, though, is uh, multifamily real estate right now. It hasn't lost any value whatsoever. Anybody who's in a project who's finishing their project right now. Yeah. You know, the drastic increases in rents have offset any sort of cap rate expansion. Like all of our pro- all of the projects we're seeing. Okay. The guys are doing their full burrs still, you know, they're still yeah. holding solid value in you know, decent markets. Interesting. Yeah. I've, and I've heard like, oh, it's lost a bit, but nowhere near as much. And obviously like for instance, London, 38% increase year over year in rental rates. You can bet that's going to offset some of the interest rate hurt. For for yeah. sure. And um, we're seeing a huge like push from the majority of investors who were in that residential space into multifamily. It's just yeah. obviously from a scalability perspective, you know, income, uh, on your GDS TDS ratios aren't able to support any sort of like debt anymore just due to yeah. where rates are. People are moving mm-hmm. into the commercial realm. Yeah. And I see that as a parallel from the States, right? Mo- there are a ton of DSCR loans out there. It's being pushed into the Canadian market where people are just looking to qualify now based off how the building is operating. And I kind of like how that that model is with the banks yeah. because it's less leverage and it, it has to be a cash flowing asset. Yeah. Yeah. So just for anyone who's not following that uh, in the commercial lending space, there's a debt coverage ratio that's applied and it's based on the building and not you personally. That's why so many investors that grow big do it in the commercial side of things because you kind of unlimit yourself. Whereas you're doing it residentially, you hit that five property cap with Scotiabank or what do they offer? They're, they're five max yeah, it's with like five, them. And five and one, I think. Yeah. And then the B lenders, you, there's some yeah. that have unlimited, but you're always trying to squeeze in with like. Yeah. yeah and then you get not as good rates. So, so I find that a lot of investors as they go through their career, they, they start going onto the commercial side, starting with credit unions. And then they, yeah. you know, they can work with the big banks too, depending on the size of the deal, where it is. Mm-hmm. So 
Yeah, that's just a progression. Didn't mean to detract from what you were getting at there. No, no, no. That, yeah. like, I think that's just where we start to see the majority of investing yeah. go in the next little while is, yeah. you know, something that allows investors to continue yeah. to scale. Um, you know, banks are coming out with really cool products now for repositioning larger buildings. Yeah. Um, low DSR, like a one DSR, interest only options, um, yeah. 18 month terms, you know, reduce cost to actually enter the products like yeah some really really there cool are some good programs products. out there yeah to yeah. incentivize people to buy um we're even looking at some stuff for our campground right now there might be some options for us even early on as we're stabilizing our income um you know so it, it's not that there aren't like real opportunities right now because i think there really are and that's the amazing thing and i also think it's really great for people who are hanging on to some cash there's going to be more but um definitely uh definitely worth keeping your eyes out so you think that multifamily is gonna gonna kind of stay steady and hang tight uh, yeah i you might have a, obviously cap rates are going to continue to expand but we're not seeing anybody pressure to sell so like there's no yeah. comps for like people offloading yeah. these properties and the guys who do own them they're legacy right. owners they've had them forever and that's what i that's what i've said repeatedly is like they don't have the pressure to sell if it's not your home you don't have the pressure to sell so mm-hmm. what i think is you're more likely to see you know your small your duplexes your triplexes those are more likely to go down because of their comparability to a single family home you yeah. know they're often in similar neighborhoods um you know with with somebody being able to buy a single fam and just add two units to it that's that's going to affect the price of your duplex triplex versus your 10 to 20 unit building maybe not likely to be affected the same way or at least not as directly well we're also seeing like the the main reason is your ability to force appreciate the property like right now you're in a declining market and you don't know where the bottom is so getting into a residential project isn't viable because you could throw you know 100 grand in a project and maybe you're not going to make any money Whereas yeah. you can look at the definitiveness of an as complete value on a multi. Yeah. And if you can get vacancy on the purchase or, you know, you can do those things. Yeah. It allows you to really dial in. Well, I know I cap rate on as complete yeah. 5.5. Here's my NOI. This is where my project yeah. is going to end up. So people well, like the cap rates change a bit, right? As For interest sure. rates climb, cap rates are going to climb too over yeah. time. And that yeah, takes time. I That's my big thought is like, it's going to take time. But of course, the, the rent rate uh, increase kind of offsets the cap rate increase so that maybe these values stay similar. I guess the real question is, mm-hmm. when is rent going to stop going up? When interest rates stop going up. So I, all these people who would be buyers are just like, okay, screw it, I'll rent. Yeah, but I like you're talking like 2400 bucks, 2600 bucks in secondary markets. You're talking yeah. like $3,300 in Well, Toronto. everybody's making that, that assessment. Should I just buy this property or should I rent? Mm-hmm. And I think that they're looking at, hey, what's it cost for the mortgage? Oh, this is what the mortgage would cost. Oh, not, not happening. Okay, we'll rent. Mm-hmm. You know, I just had tenants in one of the buildings I have listed for sale. They, uh, you know, they wanted to potentially buy it. I told them the price. They're like, okay. And they just found a place to rent. <laughs> they finally went somewhere else. Yeah. Always waiting for a lower rate. Anyway, so Josh, I wanted to ask you about your personal side of things. Sure. What uh, What do you got going on as an investor? What have, you know, what have you gotten into and, and what are you working on? Yeah. So uh, obviously, you know, the first few years of our business, I, the highest ROI was my business. So get it operating, get it going. Yeah. Um, that obviously has now stabilized and I was able to put some money aside and I got in, I wanted to get into multifamily. Yeah. So I bought a, an Aplex in Kitchener, I think back in February. Okay. And we just finished uh, six of the units, two of them, you know, they're, the tenants are staying, but uh, just... Completely. So you kicked them all out? I didn't kick them out. Cash so, for keys? Yeah. So they got, they got uh, incentivized to leave. Um, some of them were on their way out anyways. Some of them, we were able to uh, find them different places to live. Some of them took yeah. the incentive. Um you know, how did you work that? So was it the classic N13 and then when they're moving out, you offer them uh, something to sign the, uh, what is it, the N11? For, no, 
So um, honestly, we have a team of people who, you know, they're realtors. So they they have like different places in the city that they can yeah. relocate. And then we just had the yeah. conversation. They went and had the conversation with them, said, listen, like this is what we want to do. We want to upgrade the yeah. property. I mean, more than welcome to come back after the fact. This is what we're roughly going to rent it out for. Or we can give you X amount of dollars. I think it was about $10,000 per unit. And oh, so you were telling him you were going to increase rents like for an above above. Yeah. But that's very limited, right? Like when you apply to charge more than the, the you know, the two percent increase that you're allowed. Yeah, we definitely didn't do it the way we should have. So <laughs> we I stumbled on the first one for sure. So we went we told in. them a little something. Yeah. But I mean, it worked out. So, I mean, yeah. six of them, you know, took the took the incentive and we were able to relocate them in a really good, yeah. good spot. It helps when you have a realtor who has access to certain listings and stuff in the area that kind of allow them to get closer to where their rent was currently at the property. Yeah. Um. So that helped. And then. Obviously, everything either costs more or it takes longer yeah. than expected, but there were a few hiccups along the way. Uh, mm-hmm. Didn't realize it, that, but we had to redo, we had to take out all the windows in the entire building. Really? Yeah. The, they were all just super old. And by the time, we, after we got in there, realized that if we were going to be like If you're going to go this far, you might as well, yeah. So it was like another about $80,000 hit that we didn't really expect. Could have been worse. I agree. I agree. Um and then it was about 40,000 a unit in renos. We kind of, we, yeah, we rocked and rolled. We put, um, everything, you know, bathroom, kitchen, flooring, paint, uh, oh, so you did the full shebang, the whole thing. Okay. So, uh, you said it's eight units and then you bought for how much we bought for 1.675 million. Five. It was actually listed for roughly like 120 days. I guess there was a few people who couldn't close on it and we were kind of wondering what was wrong with it and walked through it. I think it was just the amount of capital that was needed to be put into the project that kind of deterred some people away. So it was at 40,000 per unit plus the windows, plus the 80 yeah. windows. And then yeah. did you kind of factor a carrying cost or you were able to turn some units over? Sure. We actually got unicorn financing. So kind of one of the, one of the benefits of being a broker I do a lot of business with a few of the credit unions in the area and they were able to give me some crazy financing that doesn't exist. They gave me like 4% interest only for 12 months. 4% yeah. interest yeah. only? <laughs> but the, um, oh, that's all right. But the catch so, was I had to put a full year of payments in the account and it had to stay oh, there. Okay. So it was kind of like an interest reserve, but gotcha. it allowed us to get in with like no private lending fees, no broker fees, stuff like okay, that. Okay. So you did a credit union. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so what did the 4%, like how much did you borrow approximately? Uh, 1.2 million. So equals, let's say, oops. So we put 475 down. Times. Yeah, so like reno and carrying costs, probably like around 450. Does that sound about right? Uh, reno budget was, we ended up doing some exterior work that we needed to be done as well. Yeah. I think our entire cost not doing the two bottom units was about 550. 550. Okay, yeah. so we'll add another 100 onto that. Okay, and. Yeah, so you're in for like 2.2 and change? Yeah, roughly. Okay. And what um, what were you able to get it rented out for, like on the ones? Sure. The six units that are fully done uh, yeah. in Kitchener right now, they're all two-bedroom units. Mm-hmm. They're all roughly 1,200 square feet each. They have a balcony and they so have a driveway. That sounds really nice. Yeah. Um, we ended up getting 2,400 bucks for all six units. Could probably get even more now, right? Uh, agreed. And then the two bottom units were at, uh, I think the... All the tenants were paying like seven hundred dollars. Yeah. So bottom units are seven hundred and six hundred and fifty, I believe. Now, can you not just give them an N thirteen and say, "Hey guys, you're gonna have to go"? Uh, yeah. I mean, I try not to. You I don't. don't I don't want to be the way? guy. Yeah. <laughs> I I'd rather you know. I think they'll leave eventually. I think sure. we're, we're working with yeah. some of them to you know try to either figure out if there's a good solution for them. Uh, yeah. Moving forward. 
No, I, I, I get it. And like, obviously you want to work with good tenants if you got good tenants and, you know, if they're, if they're respectful people then mm-hmm. treat, yeah, treat everybody with kindness. I, I, I definitely believe, but it's always worth a conversation. At the end of the day, it is your asset. And if it's costing you money and, and I, you know, you gotta, you gotta make it work, right? Completely agree. Yeah. So the, yeah. the difference between those two tenants leaving and those two yeah. tenants staying are about $600,000 in value. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll crunch those numbers in a second here. So what are your approximate taxes on the building per year? Oh, man. I want to say 12. 12,000? Yeah. Okay. That's not too bad. Insurance on something like that? Mm, like five or six grand or something? I think it was 6,000. 6,000. And then maintenance, I got 5% yeah, in there. Yeah, 5% maintenance, 4% management, 3% vacancy. 4% management. Uh, Utilities-wise, what do you... Uh, we shifted a lot of the utilities to tenants. They're all individually metered. And then we took like out... Like for ga- electric, they're metered. Yeah, they're electric, they're metered. Yeah. Um, we, central boiler? Yep, central boiler. We actually were looking at... There's a cool there's a cool um, like company out there. I can't remember what it's called. Flow something. Yeah. They actually, for larger buildings, they'll actually individually put water meters in it. And it's, yeah, uh, you it's can all, submeter? Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, we didn't end up doing that with this building, but... Um, Are you doing like a water bill back or like a flat rate water amount? No, we're just going to cover the water. So you're covering water. So you're basically paying for water and central boiler. Yeah. Um, you have any idea of what that's costing you? I think we were able to cut our utility costs down uh, significantly just due to changing like toilets, yeah. changing like uh, flow. I think we were, yeah. I want to say. Like 300 a month for water. Or yeah. Yeah. I'd say 300 a month for water. Maybe like, yeah. like 4,000, say, say 5,000 bucks total for all expenses for the year. Really? Okay. So you're yeah. that, that. Okay. So that's rock just, solid. Yeah. So that covers natural gas and, and water. Yeah. Okay. That's pretty tight if you're doing it for that that rate. That's great. Um, okay. So then landscaping, snow removal, garbage removal. Um, that's a good question. I factor that into the average maintenance. And do you, well, do you, um, do you pay for garbage removal mm-hmm. or do they take out their own? Oh, so you have a bin. Yeah, we have a bin back there. Like yeah. It's like 170 bucks a month or something. Yeah. Something like that. And then we, yeah. we own, we own all of our equipment inside the building. So there's no carrying costs on the equipment. Yeah. Okay. So let's say, and then landscaping and snow, you're going to be like what, 1500 a year or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Landscaping, we have our own like a uh, landscaper who just is going to deal with it. Um, management company, they're going to do it all. I'd say probably, yeah, fit. we'll go with that. Yeah. So let's say uh 1500 for the, um, for the landscaping snow and then another, um, 175 a month times 12 for the garbage removal. Yeah. And um, do you pay a superintendent or are you none of that? Okay. No, the fact of that in a management. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you got a manager there at 4% and they're, that's actually, see, that's the nice thing when you get into the bigger buildings, you can get that management percentage down a bit because yeah. it's just one building. So they're yeah. making a good chunk, right? That's 7,500 a year for them. That's not nothing. So uh, they get several hundred a month to, to look over that building. Or a pretty turnkey building, like it's. Do they? But do you pay releasing fees as well? Leasing fees on top of the four percent management. No. No. Oh no. wow, then you're getting a smoking deal. No. Okay, so that's great. So I've just gone ahead. I've, I've got the five percent maintenance. Although you did just do a reno, I like to build in life cycle stuff. You just did your windows. That's awesome. They're probably good for 20, 30 years. Yep. Your roof. We just. It's brand new. It's your so, roof is brand so, new. So the guy right before he owned it, he actually uh, he had to redo it. So okay. right before we bought, it, it's brand new. Okay, and then the only other big items would be your big mechanicals. So which we are, which I'm going to get to. So we're actually re- we're changing up the boiler. Um, yeah, 
So it's just a multi-step process. So we're actually using a product. It's a bank out there. I like I was telling you about it, but um, we want to transition to CMHC, but there's some processes along with that. Like the MLS locked thing? Yeah. So, okay. but you have to wait 12 months to stabilize rents. So okay. this bank I was telling you about, they have like a, a one DSR and like an yeah. interest only option at like prime plus like two or prime plus like 1.75. Yeah. So they allow us to take like a 12 month term. We're going to get out all of our capital because yeah. there's no restriction on what that looks like. So we're yeah. pulling out all of our money. Mm-hmm. And then we're just going to take a reduced cash flow cash flow position on the okay. building for a year and then move into CMHC after that. Interesting. Okay, so you got a plan. Oh yeah. So that is that that's with this credit union that you're working with that I, you've worked this out or No, no, oh, I'm paying it. I'm paying out that credit union. And then you're going to move into this and then into the CMHC. And then into CMHC, correct. Very cool. Okay, so boiler-wise, what are you going to get into like a 10 grand? Yeah. Yeah, it'll be about 10. Yeah, so like a 5% maintenance a year is like 9400 you might in, in actuality outside of that boiler only spend like one percent like two grand so this is why i like to keep it at five but we could play around you could put it at four or whatever um because at the end of the day like after this year then you're gonna have very minimal for the next while unless you have a whole bunch of turnovers all in one year yeah which i mean yeah. i i very much doubt it but yeah <laughs> it, it's hard to get a good so, good uh, unit in kitchener what do you figure the value is when you're done uh so it's two steps so without the two units in the bottom i think we're gonna be about 3.2 with the two units uh, fully done and the full place done. I think we're gonna be at 3.6, 3.7. Oh wow, big numbers at like 5.25 to 5 cap, depending on you know yeah, depending on where you're at in your project. Right? Yeah, so I guess it'll come down to what CMHC is gonna want to see for a maintenance number. Correct, right? Because mine's lower than that, but I have a four percent maintenance and um, I don't know. CMHC has a cost per door maintenance cost. I yeah, it's like 700 per door. Then they have like yeah. a. 700 their 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 noi and the actual noi on a building for like a value perspective are two very different yeah okay so yeah they're they're gonna be so equals 700 times eight that's gonna be 5600 so yeah you're closer like cmhc is gonna factor closer to three percent yeah so at that rate i'm showing a 4.65 but i did make some other assumptions here um so you figure you're gonna be around 3.2 yeah um and then they're gonna go how much so the bank I was just telling you about, so they're going to give us, they're giving us 2.3 million equity, like at full, like full new first. And that okay. gives us a hundred thousand dollars in renovation budget availability to be able to finish the other yeah. two units when we can. Okay. So, um, and then CMHC, we're probably going to be land around 83% when it's fully stabilized. B3. Loan okay. the value on the new value. Okay, and that'll be, and I'm going to sub in those numbers, and then you're going to be what amortization with them likely? Probably, f- I'm only running my numbers at 40 years. I like to be conservative. And then like a 5% interest rate or? A- yeah, run, run at five. I mean, where we're going to be at in 12 to 18 yeah. months from now is another story, but. Yeah, okay. So let's say, I mean, when I'm running at this, and it might be just some of my assumptions because I've got, oh, we got utilities at five grand, maintenance at 5,600 management at 7500 and then i got landscape snow at 3600 which is obviously there's potential to get that down um and then insurance we've got it at, at uh, six grand taxes at 12 and then i have a 500 dollars miscellaneous so i'm getting a slightly negative on that at five percent so at 83 percent. but if you get those other two units up to like whatever they're going to be 2450 per 2500 yeah. even so 2500 now all of a sudden three grand cash flow yeah yeah so it's amazing how much effect they have this is what i mean when i say at the end of the day, they had the ability to approach the owner previously and buy the building and didn't. So if they chose not to buy the building, you're the guy that brought the building. Like this is where I, I mean, some people will disagree with me, but like they don't have claim to that property, in my opinion. 
I, I, I agree with you. Unfortunately, landlord tenant board thinks well, landlord tenant board doesn't. <laughs> but I mean, my point is like, there's no need to feel bad about that. Of course, treat them with dignity and of respect course. and work it out. But they got to understand, like, you can't just sit there and take a negative 300 when you're you talking, know, yeah, you're, you're talking these numbers. Yeah. yeah, you're talking serious amounts of capital invested yeah. in a project as well, right? Yeah, like you got to make sure it works. Uh, so that in the nice thing is with something like this, you can get a system going where the building more or less takes care of itself. Once your team's in place, you know exactly who you're dealing with. You get your payment system set up for collecting rent. Um, once all that heavy lifting is done, all of a sudden it, it becomes quite easy. You could even take back management of this building. For sure. I mean, to be completely honest, I think I've gone to the building like three times, like when we yeah. bought it in the middle of Renos and then just yeah. like last week when we finished it. So yeah, but you're in the area, right? Uh, yeah, I'm in the area too. Yeah, I, I so just could, yeah. my tenants don't know I exist. Like it's right. So you like having the manager. Yeah. I'm saying you're you're according to our updated 2500 rent would be you know nine thousand three hundred dollars a year to a manager. Like that's potentially extra cash flow in your prop pocket if you just use that money towards systems. Of course. And you wouldn't spend nine thousand three hundred on the systems, <laughs> right? Like get a really good property management software, um, and then if you have an assistant that already works for you, like that's that works really well for me. My assistant deals with my tenants, and good idea. Yeah, like, then all of a sudden, no manager. <laughs> yeah, ten thousand dollars. But it is good, especially being that it's your first. Is this your first? Yeah, one? first one. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So use a manager for a while learn what they're doing like just be annoyingly over the over their shoulder hey how do you do this like just yeah. pay attention to what they're doing and then i i mean that was helpful to me uh with my student rentals especially watching what the manager did and then taking some of what they did some of what i knew other people were doing and then merging that into my systems yeah for sure and yeah. i think as you continue to buy or as we continue to buy more buildings like it's it's gonna definitely allow us to continue to get those systems and processes in place you know i uh yeah it was never about the cash flow though Mm-hmm. You know, about it's about obviously you know wealth on paper, like from a net worth perspective, yeah. or a long term hold, and you know velocity capital. And I found, I just found that these buildings allow you to be able to pull all your money out, at least right now where rents are drastically increasing. Yeah. Um, so you're still not seeing that change, that like that momentum, despite what's happening in the single family market, you're still seeing this stay strong. It is unbelievable how many people yeah. are purchasing and refinancing multifamily real estate. Okay. So I thought of the other thing that was that was a big factor. One, one thing was that, that was going to push prices back up and, and potentially sooner than any historical precedent that we're aware of would be um, the different hedge funds that have now said they're going to start scooping up single family residential properties. Mm-hmm. Like there's going to be investors that come in and take advantage of, a, of an opportunity. And some of those may be, you know, large scale funds. Um, so on one hand, it looks like we could be in for a long decline. On the other hand, it looks like, you know, may, maybe it's possible that between immigration and, and investors coming in, that it pushes things up faster than we think. I think the sentiment is, uh, is consistent across all of my larger clients as well. I think yeah. everybody's liquid right now. Everybody yeah. has been planning for quite some time. Oh, yeah. Like regardless of when, how you want to look at it, like just having more units on the market means more opportunities that something was missed Mm -hmm. uh people looked over the listing had bad photos whatever it didn't get looked you know for some reason people didn't like the look of it it had some um wrong information on the listing that threw a bunch of buyers off and then all of a sudden that property got a stigma when there was no reason for it to have a stigma and now that's an opportunity that exists right now and there's people who are in a situation that just got to sell right now and there's a number that works for them that isn't last year's number. It's a number that, you know, that works really well for you. It's the reality of the number. It could be even well under the market number, but they just need to move quick. Yep. Yeah, and that and it might really work for them to sell at that number if you can just take it right away and, and be done with it. So 
Yeah, and the, those who have the gold make the rules. At the end of the day, I think that the yeah. guys who are going to be liquid in a market like this, yeah, um, are going to be the ones who obviously you know, yeah. profit the most out of it. Yep. Now, yeah, definitely going to be a good time to stack some cash. It's catching a falling knife, though. Don't try to catch the bottom because you never yeah. will. No, but you will have signals. Yeah. Right. I think I think you'll have signals. Right. When they stop raising interest rate, that's a signal of something. Whether it's I'm not saying it's a signal things are going back up, but it might be a signal that things are going to slow in the decline or things will slow, you know, X number of months out. What's interesting, though, is, you know, all the conversations I have with all the you know, private capital funds and all the banks. They're still lending. They're lending. Like yeah. they're bullish. Like there's yeah, a lot of it's capital. The private investors that are that are wary. Yeah, yeah. Like I agree with you. Yeah. The funds and the local funds, they're still yeah, rock and roll. Yeah. Let's keep I mean, maybe a little bit less risk, lower loan of value, higher rates, obviously, yeah. if you're borrowing from a line. But the rhetoric coming out of these like larger banks for these, especially these multifamily assets right now, they are doubling down on this year, next year. Yeah. Things like, going yeah, up. Things are ramping up. Yeah. Which, you know, it makes a lot of sense, especially for that type of asset. Like there's probably a lot of investors out there that have been waiting for an opportunity to get into some of these multis and they're going to they're going to keep pushing up on that price because they know that there's a little softening. The tough part is, you know, buying these assets is extremely challenging, which is kind of yeah. where we found our niche. Like it's a lot of work, takes time. Well, it's creative. And like, you got to know this is the process. You can't like, you know, Johnny, you know, single single family investor won't necessarily know anything about this process unless they watch this show and have heard you talk. And, of you course. know, many of our guests, I think because, you know, most of the loans supported on these properties are 50 cents in the dollar, you yeah. know, from a loan to value perspective, everything's under rented. Yeah. So acquiring these assets, either you need to have an unbelievable amount of yeah. capital down or you're going to have a large VTB from the seller. Yeah. Or you're going to have to be extremely creative, which takes, you know, private capital. If you don't make it, it's going to be challenging. There's just a level of sophistication needed for it that just is unseen in the, you know, single family yep. side of things. Not unseen, like it does exist there too, but a lot less so. That's why there's more competition in the single family side of things. Yeah, agreed. So you made a good choice getting into the that side of things, I think. Yeah, I think so. I think uh, that's where the market's going to move for the next little while until we kind of find a bottom on the red side. Anyways, okay, so... What's uh, what's the next move for you? Are you waiting um, a little bit, or are, are you ready to go on the next one? Like, what's your approach from here on? In yeah, I, when this project is, you know, we get our capital out. I think the idea is to look for a more multifamily opportunity. Um, I, yeah, but wait I, until you yeah. refinance that capital. Out. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, we get all of our money back. I mean, yeah. the amount of capital invested in this project is being way more than I thought it was going to yeah. be. And, isn't that how it goes? Yeah. yeah. I mean, you got to risk it to be able to, you know, be able yeah. to get the reward, right? So I think it's going to be a lot of opportunity, as I said, 10 times this podcast already. But um, yeah, I'm not going to be quick to pull the trigger because I, I still see some turmoil in the market. But but think about like right now, you can go up to a seller that's had their property on the market for like 120 days and they're sweating a little bit and they have no mortgage. Maybe that one's not sweating, but maybe they say have next to no mortgage and you can get a 90% VTB. And you know, maybe for them, they just wanted to get rid of it. They needed money to retire. If you would buy it and you know pay them a 3% interest rate for the next 10 years, they might be agreeable to that. Mm -hmm. You might be able to secure a 10% or a 90% VTB at 3% annual interest for 10 years. That's possible. And I mean, 10 years is a long time <laughs> at that rate you know that that could be a really smoking deal that you could pay more for potentially because you're getting such favorable terms on financing yeah. like 
And that's, is that an easy thing to find? No, I don't think so. But if you're, if you're making enough offers and having enough conversations, I think you find it. And they're already popping up. We're yeah. starting to see large VTBs across the board. People yeah. who are being motivated to sell. And you're talking like rates yeah. under prime at the moment. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. No, those opportunities. So, so will the come creative up. negotiations, talk to people because you just never know. And it's in, this is why I don't, I don't think it's a good idea to count yourself out. Um, I think right now is a great time to get creative, ask questions, look at, deals with the uh with the mindset that you want to pick something that you'd be happy to manage and own for 15 years yeah and i think just regular economics are coming back to purchasing real estate like yeah you know we you are now have the ability to be able to you know run numbers at a reasonable rate yeah um you know people bought real estate back in the in the 80s people yeah. are going to buy real estate now you know maybe oh, yeah. just don't be over leveraged yeah. you don't have to you don't have to have maximum debt on all your properties you don't have to be yeah and we, all we saw last year last two years is variable terms now everybody who wanted variable terms wanted to break their mortgage without penalty because they thought rates were going to stay low forever yeah. and, and money was free right so you know yeah actual like thought process around taking these yeah. these loans is is going to become fundamental in creating yeah. a portfolio moving forward yeah i i knew last year when i locked in a few at, at fixed rates well actually i did that in 2021 um we're almost in 23 uh it's uh I just like how much lower could rates go? I, I mean, all these, obviously as an investor, a lot of us wanted to do variables because we never wanted to be locked into something where we couldn't sell it like interest rate differential. But when you're already at 2%, how much lower can you really go? That's the thing. Hindsight, right? You look yeah. back and you know, why didn't you lock in at 2%? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Cause it might go down to 1.8 and then yeah. I'll have to pay interest rate differential on 0.2% for five years, which would suck. Yep. And that was the fear. And that, that was absolutely the fear. A lot of investors in the red yeah. side too, they had this whole, you know, zero sum debt washing yeah. strategy. And if you're all on variable terms yeah. with Scotiabank, now you're, you know, you're debt washed, no longer debt washed because your rates are skyrocketing and you have no cash flow and now you yeah. can't scale anymore. So yeah. there's, there's yeah, definitely- Scotia, they adjust your payment, right? Yeah, so every correct. time rates bump up, your, your payment just goes up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. they, they call that adjustable. Yep. Yeah. Instead of just a variable, because variable, you won't necessarily change. It'll change your amortization. Yeah. Static variable, which a lot of yeah. people have already hit their trigger rates, which is, you know, a lot of the calls we're getting right now as well. Yeah. <laughs> I no longer want this property listed. <laughs> a lot of people have that idea. Um, but, you know, so so for some of those, like that, the opportunity is not there because their mortgages are going to be too high. They're not going to be able to give you a VTB. Mm -hmm. um, but they're going to be out there like the opportunities. So that's why I think it's, you know, it's nice to think, Hey, like now's a great time to just figure out what is the number I need to make at current interest rates. What, what's the number, what's, what type of building would be ideal? Like, what do I want to own long-term? Uh, and this might be a great way to just start picking up the assets you wish you could get two years ago. Yeah. Now you actually have an opportunity. Yeah. I think, uh, there's lots of different types. Don't forget, like there's lots of different types of asset classes too. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, industrials still burning red hot, you know, there's regular yeah. multifamily res, like industrial storage. You ever done any of that? Uh, financing? I, I have, I've looked at a bunch. I got a yeah. bunch of clients who are either developing right now or looking to acquire them. It really interesting stuff. You know, yeah, no, it is. no landlord tenant board. Yeah. You, know, you can raise rent to whatever you want. Or you could have Amazon as a tenant. Yeah. Like, there, there's, you could have really big retailers as your tenants, like storing their, you know, their shipments in your, your facility. That, that actually seems really cool to me yeah the natural progression of some of like an investor though like what does yeah. it cost to be able to purchase a facility that size yeah yeah i got a hussein um kudrati who's yeah. is who i'm thinking of i need to have him back on the show we'll dig into that more see how see what's new with that um because yeah like the opportunities out there like you said they're kind of endless like do you have any other thoughts like in terms of like 
something new that's tweaked your interest recently, like a, a new strategy? I mean, that I don't think it's a it's a coincidence that the MLI products actually came into being yeah. before all this happened. So I mean, a new that we haven't talked about. Yeah. Um. You know, obviously the self storage. I think yeah. people are going to start to try to find cash flow in other other yeah. avenues, other ways. Um. I'm trying to think of anything that I've seen yeah. that has been like. Well, I mean, are you seeing your clients do stuff like like what are some of the things? Actually, that's probably another another way to rephrase that. Like, what are you seeing some of your clients doing? Like, is it mainly just the MLI select thing? Yeah, multi. There's a lot of multi, a lot of multi-family repositioning. Yeah. Um, you know, looking at different products and and understanding the process in which the it actually works. Yeah. Um, you know, understanding that you need to have 12 months of stabilized rents to move into MLI, so you have to have a yeah. bridge financing to get into that, or like. Um, looking at dialing in the actual profile for yeah. purchasing these properties because you know, two years ago or a year ago, two years ago, people were just buying things in like Timmins, Ontario. Yeah. But now that things are tightening up and banks don't want to lend in secondary markets, yeah. understanding where you're where you're buying where your buying profile is like yeah. like decent markets, minimum DSR requirements, yeah. MLI certified, or the ability to be able to uh, you know, refinance into some sort of conventional debt. Mm-hmm. Just like a lot of our clients are trying to refine their buying process yeah. to understand have a little bit more knowledge about the different steps involved okay it's easy to buy something not so easy when markets are tightening up to get out of the, that type of financing so i think we're just yeah this environment is just growing a more sophisticated level of investor and when you're okay so some of the investors that are sort of realizing they made a misstep how do you see them adapting now so we're looking at it everything as a portfolio at the moment. So if you have excess cash flow and say in one residential property and you're losing in another, is there an ability to be able to maybe stabilize out your portfolio, take a little bit of you know, capital from this to mm-hmm. be able to offset where you're losing somewhere else? Yeah. Um, it's more of a very like unique approach. So just looking at everything and seeing if there's an option. Mm-hmm. Um, if you, Everybody thought option A was sell if you were in a project. Well, now option B, you're looking at, you know, can I do commercial financing on my duplex or triplex? Can yeah. I do uh, B financing? Um, most people, if you're underwater on a flip right now or a project like that, they would much rather take the $200 a month in negative carrying cost and mm-hmm. hold it for two years and lose, you know, 5000 for 4800 bucks than take a huge hit on like a $100,000 rental budget that they're underwater on. So, yeah. Essentially, it's just planning out what does the next few years look like and yeah. can you restructure your portfolio to yeah. to mitigate any loss. Yeah. And I, like hopefully like have access to some capital for, you know, when you spot some really good deals come around. Mm-hmm. That's the big thing, right? Just having access because people would always refi in the past to get the money to, to buy. But that strategy won't work in a declining market. So you got to have some access. Yeah. Even if you get HELOCs in position now, that theoretically the HELOC would be underwater. I don't know if they'll call them. Uh, I haven't heard of it yet. I don't know if that's on the terms. I have not read the fine print. Maybe um, they could get called. I'm but, sure they've reduced loan to value in certain areas depending on you yeah. know, what your balance is. Yeah, but I mean, hopefully there's an opportunity there. You can borrow some of that money. Also, you know, concerning, but I mean, hopefully you're you're borrowing that money to buy a cash flow mammoth, you know? Like yeah. Something. And then you'll be like, okay, it's okay. It's okay when I'm doing that. <laughs> it's okay, I can borrow yeah. it. Just keep in mind, obviously, that borrowing cost is based on prime and prime is yeah. high right now. Prime so I mean, verse, you're, you're yeah. borrowing at what maybe prime, uh, private rates were like last year. Your, yeah. Your prime plus. What's our, what's our prime now after the increase? Six, four, nine, I believe. Six, six, yeah, we were we were five nine five plus fifty basis points. Yeah, so yeah six four nine. Six four five. Yeah. Six four five, yeah. 
and plus 50 basis points if you're on a if you have like a scotia step product yeah, you're, you're almost seven percent oh man interest only you're basically borrowing private money from yourself wild yeah it's crazy yeah go back 12 months and tell somebody this is how this would all go <laughs> <laughs> hindsight's definitely 2020 but there's something to be said about not taking all of your heloc out at seven percent and buy as using it for a down payment oh yeah like, no no no, no. Well, that's how everybody scales, right? Every, it was free money at the time. So mm -hmm. people would get a HELOC, borrow from the HELOC, buy a property, you know, and then use mm -hmm. their giant HELOC on their house. But now their HELOC is up to 7% and they have a yeah. crazy carrying cost on this money, but you can't refinance any of your rental properties. We're seeing that guys who grew a portfolio by using their home equity and now they have giant home equity payments and properties are on cash flow because they're on variable terms. Yeah. And you can't sell them, you can't refinance them. Like those mm. are the people we're worried about. The guys mm -hmm. who grew from zero to four or five in two, three years on variable yeah. terms. Yeah, the fast growth, as much as we all want it, is uh, sometimes your enemy. Yeah, because it takes time to see things, to gain wisdom in this this market. I mean, of course, you can gain wisdom by listening to people who have wisdom. Yeah, um, but uh, some people don't maybe listen enough, uh, or they don't again take it seriously. If you've never lost. It's tough to internalize that feeling of losing. Well, it wasn't there. Like, yeah. it, there wasn't anybody talking about it. Yeah. There wasn't anybody, yeah. like, sharing that. I'm one of the downside. OGs who lost. Yeah. And my story, <laughs> yeah. my story is all, like, Battle scarred. Yeah, getting started, right? <laughs> um, not that I'm making every right move and don't have regrets. Like, of course, like, everybody would do things differently with their crystal ball. So. Of course. Um, any other thoughts or words of, uh, of wisdom, Josh? I would say just... <laughs> act fast but take time and think about the decisions you're about to make because you know yeah decisiveness gets the deal but you know planning yeah you it allows you before to, the yes, opportunity right you have to pre-plan that's correct and a lot of people are yeah. doing the opposite way but if you if you knew like the type of deal like in even in today's market the type of deal that you want that makes sense to you that you've you've had your eye on this kind of building for a while you knew you wanted to own it in your portfolio and you just worked backwards on a cash flow spreadsheet. This is the number I need to get for an eight unit. This is the number I need to get for a 10 unit. Or if they'll offer a VTB, this is how. And you have a few structures loosely in your head. And you say, okay, now I'll just keep my eyes out and wait until I find that deal. Yeah, educate yourself. Yeah. Understand yeah. how the numbers work. You know, yeah. I can't tell you how many people look to take down these buildings. I have no idea how the numbers work. Interesting. You know, so invest in yourself and invest in understanding how it works because yeah. that's going to allow you to be able to make decisive decisions without you know obviously you can have a broker who can run those for you but you know that, that shouldn't be your first yeah bet. that shouldn't yeah. be your first bet so like, it's like anything like you should have a, a base knowledge of these things so that you crunch the numbers real quick before you you know you call up a guy like josh and say hey does this work well hey did you crunch the basic numbers <laughs> yeah you got a lot of uh, a lot of yeah. people who are maybe in some coaching programs or who have yeah. mentors and stuff who are their it their like their scapegoat is just go talk to your broker about the financing. Oh, and it's like okay, I can teach you how to buy it. I can teach you why it's good. I can teach all these things, but like you don't know anything about the financing side of it. So like, right. and that's the most important hurdle yeah. in purchasing these types of assets, right? Yeah. So I mean, how do you how do you learn those things? That's a good question. Mm -hmm. I mean, it isn't really out there. We're actually looking to do a few in person events where we're going to teach investors how to do yeah, that. Do some this of the, year. That's yeah, and that's great. Like. um Let's talk about that. Maybe yeah. there's something we can do together because I, I think that that's really valuable. Um, that's valuable for people. Like mm -hmm. just teach them 
um, that side of the business so that they're not starting from scratch. Like I, I've been big on my listeners and viewers being able to, you, you know, pull my cash flow spreadsheet out and, and sub in real numbers and figure out if a deal works before they go beyond that. You need to be able to know if a deal will work before you even move to step two. For sure. And then once you get to that point, now you can analyze deals like crazy. And then you can finally know when you found a good one because you can actually analyze them yourself. Yeah. And that the level of it, like that puts you in such a higher level of investor than any other investor who's out there just yeah. looking at deals saying, oh, I think this maybe works. Don't go off of the realtor, yeah. uh, the realtor yeah, spreadsheet don't that gives you that. Yeah, forget about what the realtors say because every, every selling realtor butters up their properties and, yeah. and makes it sound the best they can in their perspective anyway. I can't tell you how, um, many, uh, how many numbers I've seen that has no management maintenance or vacancy in them. Mm. This is my NOI. This is not your NOI. <laughs> I, in my experience, like anytime anyone ever sent me an income expenses, I'm like, okay, well, you didn't do this. You didn't do this. So I'll just take like, okay, what's your insurance? Like your actual insurance bill. Yeah. <laughs> what's, what's your actual property tax and, and your rent roll? And I'll figure out the rest and, uh, and make my own estimates so that, you know, and unless they had some sort of weird outlier where they could specifically tell you why their expenses so much less I'll consider that. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Um, so Josh, one thing I was going to say, like, I mean, I think it's super cool, you know, coming at it from the entrepreneurial side. It's nice to have people on it who are, you know, running their own businesses because I think real estate investors are entrepreneurs and you're also doing it with your your mortgage business, which uh, takes guts to do out to do that, to go out there and do that. You made a smart move, I think, by aligning yourself with uh, Matt McKeever's uh, group. And I think you sponsored their show for yeah. many years, right? We still do. Yeah, we still do. We still yeah. drop uh, content every other Friday, Finance Fridays. Okay, yeah. We try to uh, advise people on different types of financing solutions, um, mortgage tips, tricks, what's happening yeah. in the market, stuff like that. Very cool. So where do people find you? Obviously, they find you on Finance Friday, but uh, <laughs> you have an Insta that you send people to or a website? Yeah. So you can follow us on Instagram, the Finlay team. Um, we have a phenomenal media team. Uh, shout out to Peter. Uh, he's phenomenal. He mm-hmm. keeps us running 24-7, 365. Yeah. Um, you can also follow me, JFins, on Instagram, or you know, you can reach out to us. Um, my contact information will all be, I guess, down below. Yeah, so on the YouTube version, it'll be in the description and then show notes for uh, for all the audio listeners. Perfect. If anybody's wondering, I work 27 hours a day. So I mean, if you need me, you can <laughs> catch me. All right. Cool, man. Well, thank you for coming over. Appreciate it, man. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. Please make sure to share this episode far and wide. Help it help more people. I really appreciate you tuning in. I'll see you on the next one. This episode is brought to you by Control and Compound Financial. They are real estate investors assisting other real estate investors to implement the infinite banking strategy. To learn more about how this can help investors like you, visit controlandcompound.com forward slash Andrew Hines. Are you interested in getting started in investing in the United States but not sure where to start? Why not attend the Investing in the U.S. Mastermind hosted by myself and Nick Van Dyke on March 4th, 2023. Nick and I will be covering topics ranging from A to Z, new construction, multifamily development, Airbnb, and much, much more, as well as the basics, including opening a bank account and understanding the proper corporate structure. We'll have several keynote speakers touching on very specific topics. And most importantly, you'll be sitting in a room with people who are highly focused and highly committed to investing in the United States. For more information, visit investinginthus.com and send me a DM on Instagram for a special discount code. I'll look forward to seeing you at the event. Real estate values and interest rates are changing quickly and huge opportunities are opening up in the marketplace. But to take advantage of those opportunities, you're going to need real estate experts on your team. That's why I've brought my first sponsor on the show, Jacob Campanero with Royal LePage Signature. 
Jacob is an expert commercial multifamily realtor, and he's also the resident realtor on my new deal analysis show, REI Hot Seat, which is available on YouTube. If you're looking to add a quality piece to your real estate power team, Jacob and his team are there to help. To book a consultation with a member of his team, fill out the form available through the link in the show notes on this episode, and a member of his team will be in touch.